Well, good morning to each and every one of you. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to uh, come together and worship our Lord, to offer our praises and thanksgiving His way. Uh, it's good to anticipate coming to this table, to know and understand the very real presence of Christ. We, uh, we look forward to that later in the day, and as we, uh, as we share in that meal, may we uh, find ourselves deeply blessed. May we also find ourselves deeply blessed as we uh, intersect with God's Word, His present reality for our lives. We are talking, as you are aware, about discipleship here these uh, last weeks of summer. It's important that we do that, that we, uh, we find ourselves well-focused upon the the very center thing that we're to be about, uh, making disciples. And when it comes to discipleship, uh, Jesus really is uh, quite clear. He, um, he offers what uh, is expected as we seek to, to follow Him. He offers uh, quite a bit of challenge to you and me, a challenge that is uh, not uh, easily uh, met or attained saved by His power and strength for our lives. But we, uh, we hear of what Jesus um, shares in regard to discipleship, what He expects. He doesn't mince any words. Let's uh, hear today our Scripture. It's from uh, Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Let's hear this from God's Word. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever, whoever loses their life for me will, will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I think that's a tough word. It's a tough word when Jesus spoke it. It is a tough word even to this day. It is never easy giving up the right to ourselves. Whoever wants to, to be my disciple must deny themselves, says Jesus. We have heard that over and over again. We have contemplated what that means, what it means to deny ourselves. What's that going to mean for you and me? What's that going to look like as we seek to, um, to deny ourselves? What is it that God actually wants us to do? We'll never be able to answer that, never be able to attain that in our lives unless we find ourselves well-connected. Denying ourselves puts the spotlight on Christ. We can at least agree to that that when we deny ourselves, we, uh, we put the spotlight on Christ and, and what He wants, and, and we find ourselves moving away from the very things that we want, those agendas that become front and center for each and every one of us. Instead of our agenda, it becomes God's agenda first and foremost. Denying ourselves has everything to do with total commitment. We are either committed to Christ or we are committed to the world and the things that the world offers. Jesus uh, offers this in the passage we read just a second ago from Matthew 16, verse 26. What, what, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? 
gaining the whole world, yet forfeiting the soul. And yet we are faced with that dilemma all the time, the press of the world upon our lives and the call of God to be drawn from the world to have our focus upon Him. It's not easy keeping that focus where it needs to be. As we all know, the draw of the world can be awfully strong. So following Jesus is not just a, a matter of getting out of the way of denying ourselves, but it is, it is a matter of actively seeking to do what He did. Let's consider that as we consider the cross. Christ's life always pointed to the cross. From the very beginning to the very end, Jesus was moving toward that decisive act of His death on the cross. Jesus' life was headed there all along. The cross represents such a huge sacrifice. And we could ponder that, spending a time of great contemplation, understanding the great sacrifice and what went on on the cross and how that makes supreme difference in our lives. Considering the huge sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross leads us to consider the, the same sort of sacrifices we need to make. When it comes to, to cross-bearing, Jesus always leads the way. Now, when you hear the term cross-bearing, you usually think of something that is, is put upon us. We understand that is something that's laid upon us. You've, you've heard that expression, oh, I'm, I'm just bearing a cross. Sometimes we, we consider that like, like some illness or some unforeseen calamity that has befallen, befallen us. It's, it's thought that we have very little say in the matter. I've always understood cross-bearing as a matter of choice. We, we take up the mantle of the cross, just like Jesus did. Cross-bearing is a matter of free will. And our, and our Scripture has uh, everything to, to, to say about that, denying ourselves, taking up our cross as a matter of free will. Cross-bearing is never easy. It does, though, go a long way toward fulfilling God's plan for our lives, getting ourselves out of the way, seeking to, to sacrifice at every turn, and in those sacrifices, knowing of Christ even more deeply, knowing that we are lockstep with the very things that He would have us to be doing. All of this keeps our gaze on God, and as we do that, we understand that that's the very place that He would have us to look. So cross-bearing uh, furthers our resolve uh, to, to do as, as, as Jesus did, it, it also uh, furthers our resolve to, uh, to follow Jesus. Those who take up their cross are sold out to Him. Those who make those sacrifices seek to, to follow at the expense of other things. And they find themselves ready to go where He leads. In Christ's estimation, denying self, taking up one's cross, and following Him is what it means to be a disciple.
Following Jesus has everything to do with aligning ourselves with him in every way. And we're left to ponder that. Left to to consider what that means for our lives and what sort of decisions we need to make in order to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to to enact those sort of sacrifices that Christ would would have us to do to, to follow him. These are the things that make up what it means to be a disciple. In a word, Jesus calls us to abide in him, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow him. All of, the, all of this leads us to abide in him. In talking about uh, abiding, Jesus uses the image of a vine and its branches. And he does that very clearly in, in John 15, verses 1 through 8, one of the, my favorite scriptures in, in all of the New Testament. Hear, hear what Jesus has to say about abiding. I am the true vine, he says, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he, he prunes so that it will, will, will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, and whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If you remain in me, if you abide in me. When it comes to the the vine and branches, all the branch needs to do is make sure that it is well positioned in the vine. Life comes from the vine, moves through the branch, and makes for, uh, for fruit to be born. Let's hear this. You and I were created to be fruitful. This is my Father's glory, says Jesus, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Such fruitfulness ought to come naturally. Or really, better put, such fruit comes supernaturally as God works through our lives to bring about the furtherance of his kingdom. If God indeed created us to be fruitful, he makes it happen. That is, if we, we let him. And sure, we've got to co- cooperate. We, uh, we do have to respond with faith. We do have to do the things that we talked about just a bit ago of denying ourselves, taking up our cross, 
those sort of sacrifices that, that uh, Christ would have us to make. And, and we need to, of course, follow after Him. These things bring us to the place of remaining in Him, of, of abiding in Him. I think there's a rhythm at play here. Abiding leads to fruitfulness. We can't bear fruit if we don't spend time abiding. So how did these, uh, these grapes come to pass? Well, I understand that when it comes to, uh, to grapevines, that it, that it takes three years for grapevines to really begin to, to bear good fruit. They're, they're cut back one year, and then they're cut back a, a second year. And every time they're, uh, they're cut back, the roots are strengthened. Hear that, a deep rootedness. And of course, as we consider the sort of rootedness that w- we need to have, we need to be deeply rooted in God. You know, if left to itself, uh, a grapevine will, will just grow. It'll just continue to grow, and its, its branches will only decrease in strength, and they'll, un, they'll be unable to bear the grapes. Now, now sure, they're, they're going to grow and grow and grow, but as they, they grow, they become weaker and are unable to bear what they were created to bear. Regular pruning not only produces growth, but it also produces fruitfulness. So this is a photo where it's going to come up in just a second. This is the photo of the uh, apple tree that's just outside our education wing uh, facing 42. I'm thankful that it's kind of hidden from all the, uh, the other trees. Um, I, I think that tree was planted back when I was here before, some 25 plus years ago, and hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention since. The, the tree really is a, is a mess. If you, if you look at the apples closely, and we got a picture of those, those apples, you know, if you, if you go out and look at it, and it's raining today, but you can, uh, can look at them another time. They're, they're really pretty small. They're, they're really kind of misshapen, and, and some of them just quite honestly aren't doing very well at, at all. What's happened is that some of the places on the tree are dead, and other places the, the branches have been allowed to grow, but they're not really able to, uh, to hold the, the weight of the fruit that is being born. Hence, this one branch is just kind of leaning over. Well, as I said, the tree is pretty much a mess. If you, if you look closely, uh, it, it really needs some attention. I will say this, that I understand that the preschool every year takes the, the, what apples that are, that are there off and they, they bake a pot. And I think this year I'm going to get in on that action. I cannot wait. Lewis Fowler and I have already talked. We're going to get out with some trimmers and maybe a chainsaw and uh, start going after the tree, not only to shape it up, but so that it will bear more f- fruit. Now, I'm going to give you a report on that later on, and if it doesn't work out, it's going to be all Lewis's fault. He made me do it. Well, unlike Lewis and I, God knows what He is doing. God knows what He is doing, 
when it comes to pruning. While pruning is never easy, it leads us to abide even more. And there may be those sort of circumstances in in your life where you are feeling as though you are being pruned. And it puts you at that crossroads of of maybe being uh, uh, disenchanted, disengaged with God. It may also bring you to that crossroads where you are drawn to God. And in that remaining in Him and in that abiding in Him, you find yourself growing. And in that growth, you find yourself strengthened to the place where you are bearing fruit. You may be feeling the, the strain of the pandemic. It's sort of rearing its head again. We've, we've kind of changed even some of our protocols around here in, uh, in encouraging uh, wearing masks. We, uh, you may be feeling this, the strain of that. I know that I am. And even in that, it might be that we consider what God might be doing in our lives, how we might be, in fact, uh, being pruned. You may be suffering some, some other type of loss that has to do with a, maybe a loved one or a friend or even your work. I pray that such pruning leads you to abide even more in your Heavenly Father. I pray that you begin to sense the the sort of spiritual growth that uh, can go on once we are pruned. And I pray that you begin to, to see as you, as you are pruned, as you begin to grow from that pruning, that you experience the, the great uh, excitement, the, the great wonder of bearing fruit for God's kingdom. Bearing fruit for God's kingdom as God works through your life, as you abide in Him, and as His life-giving Spirit works through you, you not only grow, but you become fruitful. These are the things that begin to, to make up what it, what it means to be a disciple. The pruning that we're, uh, we're talking about today is not that far removed from the denying of yourself, the sort of uh, taking up your cross as a matter of sacrifice and, and following Jesus that we talked about a few minutes ago. These things as well uh, do point us toward what it means to be a disciple. All these things lead us to abide in the one who clearly longs to hold us, to, to mold and shape us, and to move us forward, not just to grow in Him, but to bear fruit for Him. As we um, have said all along in this series, uh, we, we long to be unhurried uh, in this mix. In all the hurry and all the, the press in our lives, we, we want to slow down and put our focus right where it needs to be, to be patient to exercise meditation and even contemplation, to, to get ourselves at a place where we are indeed remaining in Him, abiding in Him. So we've used the term unhurried. And you seem to be refreshed by that. I know that Ashley has commented on how you have uh, uh, shared about that term, and, and, and the same with me. Uh, you have commented about that notion of being unhurried 
as it, can, as it relates to your relationship with Christ. Being unhurried when it comes to, to disciple-making has everything to do with abiding, of positioning ourselves rightly in Christ, abiding in Christ. When we are held in the warm embrace of God, we are more patient, more at peace, and even more committed to the very things God wants us to be about. When unhurried, we are better about putting first things first rather than letting everything just sort of swirl around us, dictating the direction of our lives. When, when we are unhurried, we are apt to deny ourselves, take up our cross as a matter of sacrifice, and follow after Him. We will find ourselves growing more than we ever have and not just growing, but also finding ourselves at the place of actually bearing fruit for God's kingdom. So then, let's abide in Christ. Let's submit ourselves to Him. Even His occasional pruning, all to the end that we might find ourselves growing spiritually and bearing fruit for God's kingdom. And so, considering these, uh, these grapes, we, uh, we held them up just a bit ago, and they, uh, they're not only beautiful, but I know they uh, taste good. All of us enjoy grapes. I, I remember that we had said just a second ago that uh, in order for a grapevine to really be fruitful, uh, it, uh, it takes uh, three years, a couple of years of some severe pruning. In the, that notion of three years, I'm mindful of the three years of uh, Christ's ministry. I'm mindful. In fact, uh, I remember today the, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Those are the things that we remember today in, in this meal, where Jesus gave of Himself, not only in His life and all the teachings and in the signs and wonders that, that He shared, but, but also he, he gave of Himself uh, as He uh, went to the cross. And we remember of, uh, of the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled. And so I hope today that as we share in this blessed meal that we, uh, uh, we remember the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And that even as we, uh, as we drink of the, uh, from the cup that we uh, remember of the blood and that we uh, also remember that His, uh, his body was, uh, was, was broken. And in that brokenness, we are made whole. And so today, we come around this table as disciples, offering ourselves to Christ, seeking to abide in Him, letting Him do with us as He will, even if that means pruning us so that we may later grow and be fruitful for His kingdom.